Um, but it's, it's really great to gather together to worship God. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm, I'm Josh Maynard, I'm the vicar at the church, and uh, it's a delight to be able to gather together uh, to worship him. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be particularly focusing on um, what the church is, what, what's the purpose of God's church, what we're we all about. Um, have you all received um, some sermon notes? Um, anybody not received any who would like some? Do you wave your hand, I'm sure the stewards team will uh, bring you one. And uh, you can see the diagram in the top right-hand corner, um, which says up, in and out, up, loving God, in, loving each other, and out, loving the community. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but many years ago, when I first arrived here um, in 2015, we did a, my first sermon series here was on the three-dimensional church, where we were looking at up, in, and out, and really focusing on what the purpose of the church is. And uh, a man called Bill Hybels once said that the uh, hope of the world is the local church. And of course, he meant through that, that it was Jesus working through his local church, which is the hope of the world. And I really believe that, you know, I've been someone who's been involved in Christian ministry, full-time Christian ministry for the last 18 years. And I really believe that the church has so much to bring. I also am aware over those 18 years, I have been part of many imperfect churches and surprisingly, I've already met many imperfect Christians within those churches. And I'll quickly add, I am one of those imperfect Christians within those churches. But amazingly, God uses us in our frailty, in many ways in our inability, but also through our strengths, our passions and our joys to bring his good news uh, to a broken world. And this morning I, and over these next few weeks, I hope that we are encouraged by all that God has got for us, all that he wants to do in us and all that he wants to do through us as well. And just to highlight a couple of things I'm really excited about at the moment at St. James, we're relaunching our evening service this evening, you heard earlier, and that's going to be running every week for the first time um, over uh, October and November and the beginning of December. And this is a real opportunity for us to go deep in worship. We're going to be doing a series specifically on worship and uh, really looking forward to Lewis and Valerie, who are our, our new discipleship year guys. They're going to be uh, coordinating that. Also, what we want to really do at that service is give an opportunity for people who've not preached before as well to give them an opportunity to have a five-minute um, chance of that. Uh, Josh Murphy very bravely is the first to do that this evening, so one well and Josh. Um, but I hope that this is going to be an opportunity for us to nurture and grow one another as we worship together, as we follow Jesus together. Now, of course, our uh, mission as a church is to make committed followers of Jesus. We are committed to becoming more like Jesus, and our vision focus this year is draw near, and part of us becoming committed followers of Jesus is about us drawing near to him, very much about worship, which is what we're going to be particularly focusing on this morning. Uh, Francois Fenelon was the court preacher for Louis, King Louis XIV of France in the 17th century. One Sunday, when the king and his attendants arrived at the chapel for the regular service, no one else was there but the preacher. King Louis demanded, what does this mean? And Fenelon replied, I had published that you would not come to church today in order that your majesty might see who serves God in truth and who flatters the king. And so there's some truth in that, isn't there? What, what is our purpose in worship? What do we come to do? And so this morning, I want us to really focus on 
um, our hearts and think about as we come to worship. You know, many of you here are faithful uh, each week, come to worship. And I know many of you, if I asked you, why did you come to worship? You would know why you come. And in a sense, what I want to do is tap into that and amplify it and say, you know, what are we doing? Why are we coming to worship? What is it that we actually come to do? And what are we expecting as we come to worship? Going back to this sense of purpose for the church, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, we have this amazing verse from Paul. He says, his intent, that's God's intent, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Just to think about that for a minute, that's an amazing statement. What, What Paul is saying is that basically through us and all the Christians over the world, God wants to reveal to the heavenly realms the manifold wisdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes I think I make some wise comments. Um, but, but I don't think my wisdom is anything compared to the wisdom of God. And yet God uses us to display his manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. And he does that through his church. And again, this is all through his grace, through his empowerment. Um, and so praise God that he's calling us And he's drawing us to himself and is empowering us to reveal his love to others. And so this morning, I want us to think, you know, about what it is to live that and what it is to live worship. You know, worship is a word that we use a lot. It's a word we use a lot on a Sunday, but it's a word we use more broadly. And this morning, I want to define uh, worship quite specifically. You know, I could spend hours and hours talking about worship, talking about our whole lives and our whole lives should be worshipped to Jesus But this morning, I specifically want to talk about our corporate worship together. As we gather together on a Sunday, what is it that we're doing? What is it that God is calling us to do? And so this morning, I want us to ask two questions, okay? And I'm going to finish up with these questions. And it's really not about the questions themselves, but the gap it highlights between the two questions. This sounds very cryptic, doesn't it? So let's get on with it. So the first question is, Um, Let me remind myself. How do you currently engage in worship at St. James? Okay, and I'm not talking about while I drive my car to church, I open the door, I sit on the seat, I stand up for worship, I sing the songs. What what I'm talking about is our our emotions and and our minds. How do we engage with worship? What's our current practice? How do we engage? And uh, the second question is then, how would you like to engage in worship at St. James. Do you see the gap between, on the one hand, how are we engaging, and then how would we like to engage? And it's this gap between that excites me, because that gap is the opportunity for growth. That's the opportunity for us to think, how can I grow in my worshipping of God when I come and be part of God's people at St. James, as we come together to lift up the name of Jesus, to praise his name. What's that gap? And let me just make this really clear. This is not to be condemning in any way. So if anybody's feeling any guilt at this point, please push this aside, okay? This is not about guilt. This is about opportunity. It's about saying, where am I and where does God want me to be? You know, as I said already, our mission statement is to make committed followers of Jesus. And my experience of becoming a committed follower of Jesus is one step at a time, that we draw near to God, that we draw closer to him, and we become more like him. And part of growing is recognizing our need for growth. Now, just to give you a couple of examples personally of how I've experienced that, Um, Many, many years ago when I was a teenager, I remember going to a Christian conference. I was a teenage boy 
And uh, we were all worshipping, and there were a number of people putting their hands up, singing their hearts out. And I felt a bit awkward. I felt quite self-conscious as a teenage uh, boy. And yet, as I felt self-conscious, I felt this stirring in my heart, this desire, this passion, if you will, um, to raise my hand up. And I thought, there's no way I don't want to do that. You know, it just looks, it feels weird. It doesn't look weird. Other people do it. They do it brilliantly. But, uh, but I feel weird putting my hand up. Um, but I just felt this stirring that I just felt, yeah, you know, God, God wants me to do this. And, and it wasn't like, oh, God wants you to do it. You've got to do it. It's like there was a desire in me to actually engage in putting my hand up. And so I, I, in the worship set, I just waited until there's been a few songs. I waited till other people were kind of engaging, particularly when most of them had closed their eyes as well. And then I just, I just simply put my hand like this. And there was just a real sense in me that that was a significant step for me as a teenage boy in my engagement with God. Now, I'm not sharing that example because I think all of us should be raising our hands up in worship, although if you want to do that, it's fantastic. But I'm sharing that as an illustration to help us to think about, you know, how does God want us to engage with him um, with all of ourselves? Um, just another example, a, a more recent example, which doesn't relate specifically to corporate worship, but my own devotion. Many of you know that each morning I go for a walk around the park just to pray and I was, I was becoming increasingly aware at the beginning of this year as we looked at our draw near vision focus that while I was walking around the park, sometimes my mind wasn't really taught, thinking about, uh, about the Lord. In fact, I was sometimes even practicing my, my uh, squash uh, shots and thinking about how could, I, uh, how, how could I improve my game so I could beat Arthur Wu in the neighboring parish. But anyway, that's another story. Um, uh, so, so I just felt, you know, the Lord, the Lord you know, and, and all of us experience that. You know, let's be honest, when we pray, our thoughts are distracted. And it's, really, it's great that we make space for prayer. And if we, if we get distracted, that's okay. God will bring us back to himself. But I just felt in that there's something here that I can learn and I can develop here. It's the gap between where I was and where I wanted to be. What was going to help me to move across that gap? Well, I just felt actually reading a verse of Scripture and I don't know that some of you were involved in a huddle at the end of uh, 2000 and I think it was 17 or 18, I can't remember now, uh, 18, I think. And we, we were talking about um, having a Bible verse to read. Um, I don't know if any of you remember that, some of you who were there. And, and uh, so from that, at the beginning of uh, this year, I just decided, right, from the Version Bible app, I'm going to get the Bible notification each day. Um, sent to my phone around the time I walk into the park. And that's really helped me to focus um, on God in my worship. And so I hope this morning there's, there's some concept, there's some ideas, but also that as we go away, there's some practical uh, things we can take away to really grow in our worship. And so there are four key things I want us to look at okay, as we think about um, engaging with God in our worship. And the first is the call to prepare ourselves. Okay, So the call to prepare ourselves, and particularly focusing here on Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, which says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. There we have our phrase, don't we? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, you could do a two-hour sermon on that in itself easily, so I'm not going to unpack everything, but have a look at those two verses. Amazing 
uh, amount of uh, theology and understanding within that. But specifically, what I want to draw out here is, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. This is the first thing to talk about as we prepare ourselves, that we prepare ourselves not based on our ability or our accomplishments, but it is purely based on the blood of Jesus. We need to come back to that time and time again. It's the grace of God that as we approach God, as we approach the most high God, that we come on the basis of his blood. And it's that, for that reason that we can approach with confidence. It was, if it was based on our ability, we could not approach with confidence. But because it's based on the blood of Jesus, we approach with confidence. It's not about our status, our achievement, or our good behavior, but it is based on the saving work of Jesus. And so that's kind of the, the context, if you like, in which we approach. But as we prepare ourselves, we think about preparing ourselves, God has done this work inside of us, but we're also called to approach him. And so it's this approach that I want us to think about. And so as we think about preparing ourselves, um, I just want to put on this rucksack. In fact, um, I'm just going to put this coat on first. Um, now, um, as a teenager, um, me and my family used to go to the Lake District a lot, and so we used to have to make sure we prepared for when we went for walks. And uh, that love of the Lake District continued um, through um, my early 20s as well. And we started having children. And one day, we decided to take um, Jojo up, up a mountain. So Ali and I, I think I was with the, with the rest of my family as well, and we started walking up the side of a mountain. And uh, I don't think we checked the forecast um, and it absolutely bucketed it down. Not only did it rain, but it hailed as well. And so we were walking along the side of this mountain. And as we were walking, there was hail coming at us. And that day, I was so glad that I had prepared. Because not only did I have this carrier, but I also had this um, nice little cover for it that goes over it like this. I'm trying to compete with Chris Edwards, you see, because he had his, his visual aid last week with a seat. So I thought I'd better have some this week. Um, and so uh, I've done it upside down. Sorry, is it? So uh, put this on here like this, and then around the bottom as well. And so as we were walking up the side of the mountain, I was cocooned in my coat and my waterproof trousers, and Jojo was on the back of this carrier. And what I was amazed by as we were walking was just the sense of security in amongst the storm. As we walked up the side of the mountain, neither Jojo nor I got wet. In fact, Jojo was so secure and happy that she fell asleep, despite the hail pelting um, on the top of the, the carrier. Now, just imagine, had I not had that, that even this cover on the carrier, imagine uh, the grief that would have caused for Jojo. Um, in fact, just so you don't get a rosy picture of me, two years later, um, I was lulled into a false sense of security when we went on holiday to Cornwall, and we were coming through St. Enidoc's golf course um, along the dunes. And as we walked, I had Matthew on my back, and the hail came, and we had too much other stuff, so I didn't bother packing the waterproof cover for the carrier, and I had a screaming child on my back. Um, and so you see the difference, don't you, when we prepare and when we don't. And so I use that as an illustration to say, actually, when we come to worship, it's really important that we come 
and we prepare ourselves. And, you know, I recognize sometimes church is manic, particularly if you've got small children. And just getting here with small children is a miracle. So well done to those of you who are, have got small children. Um, for all of us, you know, sometimes it can be hectic. It can be manic getting here. Um, but there's still something there about our hearts and how we prepare ourselves and how we approach God. But the most important thing as we approach is not what equipment we put on, but it's the attitudes of our hearts. And John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says this, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so God calls us to be people who are passionate for him, people who want to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, one of the challenges in our society, and I think within the church as well to an extent, is the, the, the culture of consumerism. The danger is that we can rock up to church uh, and, and think, what am I going to get out of today? But actually the call of worship is not what can I get out of worship, but what can I contribute? What can I bring? What can I offer first and foremost to God? And this brings me to the second point, which is the call to sacrifice. The call to sacrifice. When we approach God, we want to approach with that principle of giving something back to him. Not because he needs it, but because he deserves it. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're called to be living sacrifices. And as an old preacher once said, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. Uh, the old sacrificial system was about bringing a gift or bringing an animal to sacrifice. But this is flipped around and, and, and brought deeper in the New Testament where we as uh, people of God are to bring ourselves. We are the sacrifice in and of ourselves. And firstly, this worship is to be a response to God's mercy. You know, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is talking about the amazing salvation story, all that God has accomplished through Christ on the cross for both the Jews and the Gentiles, all those who don't know him. And so our response of worship is to the mercy and to the grace of God. We offer not animals as in the Old Testament, but a spiritual sacrifice. Unlike in the Old Testament, we bring ourselves. And part of our worship is about giving ourselves. It's not about making sure that we look the best or we appear the best. It is bringing our true selves. And I don't know about you, but sometimes on a Sunday morning, I don't feel amazing. You know, sometimes actually things are difficult. Going through a difficult time, maybe there's a difficult relationship or maybe work circumstances have been difficult, a whole host of things. And God doesn't want us glossed up. He wants us as we are. And it's as we come as we are and offer our worship, that is a pleasing aroma to God. We bring who we are, not what we think we should be. And of course, in the midst of that, God brings his transformation and his grace, which we'll come on to in just a moment. So we have the call to prepare ourselves. We have the call to sacrifice. Thirdly, we have the call to minister to one another. The call to minister to one another. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
part of our worship on a Sunday is about our interaction and our serving of one another. I don't know if you realize that, but every single one of you this morning has a role to spur other people on. Now, you might think, well, I don't have a role here at St. James. You might think, well, there are other people who've got roles. So we've got our preachers, our leaders, our worship team. We've got PA, we've got coffee team, we've got stewards, welcomers. Um, we've got the, uh, all those who are involved in our, um, our, our crash and our children's work and our youth work. We've got many other roles as well. Uh, uh, but, but actually, not all of us are on those teams, and that's okay. You know, if you want to be on one of those teams, great, come and talk to me afterwards. Um, but, but, but the important thing is that we're all here to spur one another on. And so just by you being here for a start helps to spur people on. By you singing, by bringing glory to God, by talking to one another, by encouraging one another, we spur one another on. And so the call is that we minister to one another. And one of our values at St. James is gift-based ministry. And so we really want to enable people and help people to use their gifts in the context of the church. You know, maybe God's calling you to something. Maybe he's calling you uh, to, to serve or, or change the way you serve in order for you to help bless others. But again, it's this attitude that we come with. Because even in serving, our attitude can be self-service. But our call is to be serving one another so that we spur one another on to love and good deeds. So the call to prepare ourselves, the call to sacrifice, the call to minister to others. Fourthly and finally, the call to be transformed. The call to be transformed. What's your expectation when you come on a Sunday morning? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think, well, yeah, I'm going to go to a nice worship service, have a nice caramel shortbread or whatever the cake is on offer that day, have a nice cup of tea, go home, thank you very much? Or is your expectation that as you come to church, to St. James, you will be transformed? Now, let me be clear here, you know, because we can kind of um, sort of uh, hype it up a bit, can't we? You know, sometimes people may come to church and they get radically healed, they come to faith there can be a significant transformation. But my experience often is through hearing God's word and responding to it. It's this constant dynamic and one step at a time of transformation. One step at a time, one simple step. Sometimes we take a detour, sometimes we take a leap, sometimes we may even take a step back. But it's this constant journey of being transformed by the grace of God. And Part of our transformation comes through our expectation. It's through faith. God earnestly rewards those who seek him. And so we're called to come into that place where we respond to him. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on. What are we called to be spurred on towards? Love and good deeds. As we meet together, as we encourage one another, we're spurred on to what God has in store for us, what he's calling us to. And there's a number of ways that we try and give space for this in the context of St. James. I don't know if you recognize that, but <clears throat> in fact, one of the things that we've talked about recently as the leadership team is how can we create a better space for people to engage with God? And so we're constantly reflecting. In fact, there's a few of you this morning who are um, doing some sermon feedback forms for me. So uh, um, I'm hoping you're full of grace. No, be honest, be honest. That's important. But this sense of us growing and developing in what we're doing. 
uh, in our worship. We want to take people on a journey in our sung worship. We want to take people on a journey of connecting with God, of experiencing his presence, of being able to sing songs that people know, but also singing new songs. In our ministry time, that's a really key place for us to open up the space for people to hear God's voice and where they want to, to respond to him, to be prayed for. And so we want this to be a place of transformation. And what I've been really excited about, we heard a testimony from Anita last week, didn't we, about her healing. And we've had several testimonies over the last couple of months of people being healed. And that's fantastic. We've also heard testimonies of people being encouraged who are struggling. God is in the business of changing us and making us more like him. As we come into land, um, verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. So there we have it. It's the call to prepare ourselves, the call to sacrifice, the call to minister to others and the call to be transformed. And so I want to just briefly return to those first two questions I asked, I asked at the beginning. The first is, how do you, how do I engage with worship at St. James? Where am I at? And where would I like to be in engaging in the worship at St. James? And you might not be able to answer that latter question right now, but I just encourage us to allow that question to permeate our hearts and to be reflecting and thinking about it. And then let's get excited about the gap. Let's get excited about the difference between those two questions and pursue what God has for us in that gap. Let's pursue uh, that sense of preparing ourselves. Let's pursue that sense of sacrifice. Let's pursue ministering to one another. Let's pursue transformation for ourselves, but also for our fellow brothers and sisters that together we may become more like Jesus, that we would grow to what we're called to, to become committed followers of Jesus.